or sense an impression. Do we see video to promote? Algorithms and manipulative politicians are becoming so expert at learning how to trigger us, getting so good at creating fake news that we absorb as if it were reality, and confusing us into believing those lies. It's as though we have less and less control over who we are and what we really believe. Trust each other. Oh, this is a city where hatred was laid bare. 
transformed into racial violence. The next note is only to whom it may concern. Alright, 
I have a brain injury, so when I'm familiar with something, like I am with the iPad, I don't switch it up, so I wasn't switching it up. So, she kind of takes it back, and she seems a little disappointed, like, hmm. Next thing I know, Bob comes in my life, kind of pushes himself on me, and I have heart issues. I have issues where I actually have to go to the hospital. I have tardicardia and bradycardia, and they, you know, I always have to sign a waiver if I don't go, because I hate going, because they always urge me to go. Um, but the fact of the matter is, um, or when I don't want to get treated, um, but the fact of the matter is, uh, yeah, so that was Bob. And, you know, then I called him 1130 night just to say I was scared about my heart issues. You know, I wasn't expecting anything. I was just saying, you know, I, this is a concern of mine right now. And he goes, but well, do you want me to come over? And because of my fear and my, and my complete exhaustion, like, I was willing to have this man that I really did not know very well in my home just to make sure that I could fall asleep without anything bad happening to me, like my dying before I did, or my dying as I did, or whatever, because I was that scared, and I was that exhausted, so he came over, and he started talking about something, and I just kind of looked at him irritated, and looked away, and just, just put my head back, and fell asleep, and I took, you know, I held his hand, or whatever, compensatory, you know, like, like I'm not good. You know, this is all you're getting, man. You're, you're here to help me sleep. Like, this, I did not agree to anything. So, two hours later, I see him standing over me. He's like, Julie, you, you okay? I'm like, yeah. He's like, all right, I'm going to get going. I'm like, okay, thank you. I'm like, thank you so much for coming. Honestly, I was grateful. Well, you know, I have this old busted computer. The only reason I move is to vacuum every week. And I moved it after he had been there. And the only other person that had been there in the last week or two had been this just one other person who I would know would never do that. And all of a sudden, I pick it up and smooth it, and it's gone. My old busted computer that he doesn't know does or doesn't work is gone. And I haven't taken it out of the freaking case because there was no reason to. Why? Because this thing's been blown out for two years. I don't even know if I can get it remedied. And if I do, it's a $3,000 computer. It would be like $500 I don't have right now. So, I honestly, it's missing. And what am I going to say? Like, I lost it? Well, no, because I didn't take it out of the case to lose. So, is it a coincidence that someone tried to push a computer on me and then directly thereafter my other computer that he may or may not think is still working is stolen? No. And how is the most found out about you is your web search history? Oh, what do you know? And then all of a sudden, boom, they're out of my life. They disappear. They're gone. And gone even from the meetings which I met them, right? So, you know, and then there was another one, Tyler, who asked for a prescription that I have, um, and that I've been on for many, many years, um, for, uh, reasons, uh, that are not typical, and he had an issue, and he asked for one, and said he would pay money, I said, that Tyler, I'm, I really want to help, that's not something I can risk right now, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, after that, I heard nothing. And this guy came over, blah, 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 called me, initiated the whole thing, dropped his number in my lap after a second meeting, said he had a crush on me. I was just kind of like flattered, just kind of humored by the thing. You know, I was in a bad place. He's taking up some time, so I was like, all right, you know, don't, you know, it, it's like, you know, all right, why can't just like spend some time with the guy, whatever, why not? 
Um, so it was harmless, and um, you know, nothing came anything other than the friendship, and every once in a while, kind of cuddling. But that was it. And and then you know, after he asked for that, and I denied that, boom, gone. And then there was some antagonization. I said some things, and then I apologized thereafter. And I'm sure if it was for defamation reasons, he went about and showed what I wrote. I'm sure that uh, Bob said that I slept with him because Erica thereafter actually asked if I slept with him. I was so offended by that. The last person I slept with was my fiance of nine years. And before that, the last man I had slept with was when I was freaking 23. Alright. So, the last guy I slept with was my fiance, and that was over a year ago. So, shut the fuck up and get the fuck over it. That's not me. If anyone's trying to make that out as me, fuck them up the ass. And I mean that. Seriously. Because that is offensive with everything I've already been through. All the defamation. All the criminalization. All of that just getting it home. For the right reasons. For just reasons. Because I called the New Hampshire Attorney General. Department of Justice. Reported the truth that I would have been arrested on severe felony perjury charges. Had they not checked out. I am not gonna have my name fucking the fucking face again by these ass wipes trying to get off whatever charges they have or get money from the feds who paid state employees big buttons to whitewash people like me who are incidentally huge liabilities but we won't go into that I just wanted to make it very clear why and how there might be things said about me that are false thank you something I I tend to do the same thing and not give you all a chance to respond because I just infer you're not going to just like just like they didn't because they didn't believe me 
And then Ms. Swanson got back to me this morning and she said, you know, I'll, I'll forward your complaint to patient relations. And I just said, thank you, I appreciate that. And then I did want to write and say, and I'm really sorry for how I came off. Okay, yeah. Whereas if it was inappropriate. Okay, I just, yeah, I just wanted to make sure that you knew that our nurse, Donna, um, she, uh, the reason that she called is because she called them actually for a well check. She, she was concerned. Oh, okay, based on those. She couldn't get in touch with you, and she knew that you had just been in an accident, so she wanted to make sure that you were okay. It wasn't that she assumed that you were doing something, like, because I think that they well, said that you... Well, I mean, I, I, she knew I was okay after the accident, because I had talked to Dr. Hamlin after the accident, and she hadn't been trying to get in touch with me, because no one had been trying to call. So I mean, no, 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 and no one can convince me it was based on anything other than what it was, and you know, it was an attempt, it failed, but you know, um, I, I don't know what I do or I don't want to do about that. Mm -hmm. Uh, It just, I guess I understand, you know. Well, um, I did want to tell you um, also that I know that you're going to be looking for new primary care, and yeah. you do have the opportunity to follow Denise. I know that Denise just mentioned that you were a little upset that she's going to be transferring out of our office. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if you've ever been seen. Um, you're, she's going to be working with Dr. I think it's Dr. LaRouche. Um, she will eventually be working out of the Stratum office in CORE. But that won't be for, I don't know if it's going to be a couple months or so, but so she's going to be working out of the Milpon office, which is in Dover, for the time being. Wow. And then eventually, after a few months, she'll be transitioning to the Stratum office, okay. which is closer. So that's an option. I would definitely touch base with, um, there's a provider referral line through CORE that can definitely help you establish care, but I just wanted to let you know that that is, that is a, a, an option to, to follow her if you, if you really liked your experience with her. Yeah, yes, yes, I, I felt it was a very good experience with her, you know, she kind of sees me as I am, I, you know, it's, it's providers that, that give you trust until you break it, rather than treat you as though you don't, you, sh- you aren't deserving of that trust, and I, you know, I, I felt after a while with Hamlin, it just, there were just too many things, I mean, it just, it was just, you know, and he would always just say, oh, no, 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 it's okay. Go ahead and go to the ER, you know, as opposed to let me prescribe a Zofram and one milligram of Ativan because that's all they give you there anyway. Let, let's try and give you something to someone else can hold if we're really worried about it to keep you out of the ER, you know, like things that were very uncomfortable for me could have been prevented, and I I feel he was so pedantic, like, it was, it was too much, my being 41 and having the damage I did undiagnosed as long as I did, and then for having all the issues and everything that was coming up, like, over a month and a half ago, and for the Dr. Brady to have done this EKG on me that day, and I had been diagnosed with the second heart condition, on top of everything, my dental told I was going to get gallbladders, everything else, she going out and ask, asking him if I could get a 2.5 milligrams out of man. So I could kind of have the feeling in my back of my mind that maybe I could get some sleep one or two nights because I really needed that basis. 
and he told her, no, I don't want her getting dependent on that kind of thing. And I was like, biologically falling apart, throwing up every morning because my body was falling apart without the sleep. And that is how he handled it. And then like my neurologist, when he finally faxed over the reports uh, from the ER and from him, which took him for a very long time, she called me that same day and she's like, and he took my difficult levels all the time. You know, I mean, he's not a neurologist, so maybe he doesn't know. But she called and she's like, oh my God, you know, you, the reason you're having all these issues and going to the ER is you have trileptal and too high of a Depakote levels in your system and it's causing all these cardiac issues. She drastically lowered the Depakote. That's the only reason she suggested to add the Clonopin. There was no other option. And um, cardiac symptoms went away and I was able to sleep slowly things slowly became functional again. And like it, it I would think that he, instead of encouraging me to continue to go to the ER, looking psychosomatic each time, and him knowing that, would have preferred maybe, like, to do something medication-wise so I wouldn't have those symptoms instead of just too many weird things. And that cutting my Depakote in half in one day, it took my neurologist and I three months to get me down there because I'd been on it 10 years. Well, I didn't know what the F was going on, because this is before my temporal lobe epilepsy diagnosis. So I thought I was going crazy. I didn't know what was happening with me. And I ended up in the Portsmouth ER, and by uh, one out of 20 chance, my parents were around, because they had a place in the Concord. They live in Hanover. And so they just happened to be there, and they're in the waiting room. And then I get to Portsmouth ER, and this doctor comes in, and... I don't know, it was just really weird, just the way he questioned me and everything, and I, I said, you know, I'd like my parents to be in here, and he said, oh, wait, no, he goes, your parents are here, I said, yeah, he goes, no, he goes, I either treat you, or no parents, and I treat you, or no treatment at all, I said, that doesn't make any sense, it was ultimatum, basically, so we left, we went to another hospital, it took the third hospital for me to finally get an MRI, and then to finally diagnose severe atrophy, that of an 85-year-old, as well as severe temporal lobe epilepsy. First neurologist that he he uh, refers me to says, she's about crazy, it's borderline this and that. Second one, um, oh no wait, first neurologist, he couldn't say that because they're already scanned. So the first neurologist, it was before the MRI. Mm-hmm. After the MRI, the, the, the neurologist was within core network. And he said to me, you're a perfectly healthy, normal young lady. And I said, yeah, but what, what about the atrophy? Because Hamlin is the one who read it and was like, it looks really good. And he's like, oh, no, it's normal to have atrophy to that extent at your age. And then he didn't address the lesions in my cerebellum that Hamlin had pointed out. Or the epilepsy, he said, yes, and you have some mild epilepsy, and we'll just kind of knock down the well future. Okay, so then I said, something's not right here. So I went out of his network, and he was not prepared for that. When the Dartmouth-Hitchcock neurologist read that report, she was absolutely appalled. She goes, are you telling me you've gone without treatment since 2011? With this atrophy, I said, yeah, he said the atrophy is normal. She goes, right, if you're 85. And I'm like, right, okay, that is what Hamlin said. So he was right on his first read. Um, Core and all of core is 
the hospital that is responsible for the primary negligence that caused the atrophy and the temporal lobe epilepsy. And now that I have the evidence and, uh, and an expert witness, they might they might feel you know somewhat like. Uh, I mean, it, does, it sounds like Dr. Hamlin referred to neurology with the intention of you get like of them continuing to give you the care that you needed. But the um, the fact is is they they didn't address they didn't yeah. address the atrophy as it actually was. Mm-hmm. They the, they really didn't they really didn't deal with it. Well, when I got to someone who derm you know whatever. She had to start aggressively treating the epilepsy, saying it would do more damage if, if it wasn't treated. She added the trileptal. I mean, she's trying all these things. She said it need, I needed to be seen monthly, do more scans. Like, there was a lot more to be done than just, just knock down my Wellbutrin and not worry about it. She says the lesions have to be monitored. Um, all these things that he, he didn't address. And the thing is, is the atrophy did prove that because of lack of treatment, they turned me away due to extraneous circumstances. I was not treated, and because of that lack of treatment, I didn't get the oxygen to my brain. And they, and all of CORE and the establishment, would be responsible for that negligence. So they would be biased in their reads, and they would want me to believe I'm a perfectly healthy young lady so I don't go get another opinion, especially if they think no more damage will be done to me. You know, if they're like, okay, well, the damage has already been done. If she thinks she's okay, there's no harm in that. And okay, she has seizures, but, you know, just, I don't know how they rationalize it, but when she saw it, she had no idea how I didn't end up institutionalized during that period that I hadn't been treated. Because, I mean, to have the temporal lobe epilepsy and the atrophy and severe brain damage all at the same time, and and they go from a crystal clear 32-year-old brain to an 85 atrophied, you know, constantly seizing brain, you, you want to die all the time. Hi, Julie. This is Sergeant Jeff Ardini from the New Hampshire State Police Professional Standards Unit returning your call from yesterday uh, regarding a crash report. If you get the message, please give me a call back at 603-223-8579. Again, that number is 223-8579. Thank you. Given we have already tried repeatedly to work with you in a manner that is legal and ethical and you refuse to do so by means of further harassment, discrimination, covert deception, dishonesty and manipulation, 
We have no choice but to now report, report you to authorities. The federal authorities are well known to pay state employees big bucks to whitewash liabilities. And there are liabilities out there such as us, whose human rights have been grievously violated. And when that happens, and the feds and the state are responsible, no responsibility or accountability is taken. Instead, we were sought out and attempted to be made as opposed to receiving any justice. And we will not stand for any less than justice at this juncture, having lost our abilities to have any work or ability to have any credibility or voice for the past 10 years. My life was soiled and I lost everything, me speaking specifically, yet we here as we stand for the people. We have lost so much collectively more. This has gone on too long. The government gets away with everything. Blue covers blue. The state covers you if you're blue. And if you're a fed, well, they think they can get away with everything. But you know what, boys and girls? You can't. Because there's a Department of Justice, Attorney Generals, DAs, and such things. Open accountability to the federal government because I have a case in regards to their attempt on my life in 2015 after attempting to falsely incarcerate me in 2014. This was directly said before three witnesses, including a public defender, by a judge only for the charge to be slapped back on. This has gone on too long, not just for me, but for far too many, many of whom are still behind bars and will be for the rest of their lives, having not committed a crime or the crime that they were said to have committed, only because the feds can't be bothered to admit that they were wrong, that they got the IP address wrong, that they were wrong in their assumptions, and as in my case, they came at me without a federal warrant, without any evidence, and without a judge's signature, thinking I was on governmental assistance. I was not. All my rights were violated. Many people's rights are violated in effect of their fuck-ups. So they will now be made public at us. Because we will stand up, we will fight back, we will start naming names. And that starts today. to get a few things off my chest and my dog will probably be growling in the background because she is still a puppy and she is now oh Jesus biting off my foot but you know okay there are a few things all right I don't know if they've already been mentioned or not but Biden first thing he did you know 
was fire the Surgeon Attorney General. Now, that would be the person that would say, hey, you know, maybe this vaccine isn't ready to be given to the 300 million Americans because there's something wrong with it. Or they could have side effects. And uh, I don't know if people read the fine print, but during a national emergency, you cannot sue pharmaceutical industries. In other words, if people develop all sorts of side effects that are far more, you know, deadly than any COVID-related death, or, I mean, really, I mean, zero, it's like .01% of people with COVID actually end up succumbing to it. Uh, Those who get the vaccine, I wonder what percent will end up to you know will end up succumbing to some side effect of that but I guarantee you it will probably be higher than the percentage of those succumbing to the COVID virus nonetheless the other question I would have is uh you know he Biden has this agenda to get this this this, you know, vaccine out, and then he fires the Surgeon Attorney General, who would be the one to say, it's not ready yet, so, you know, he has such an agenda to help the American people that he's willing to kill them in order to help them. Not only that, people are supposed to wait in line in order to get this vaccine. Well, that's the number one people number one way people get this, you know, virus. And when you get the virus, once you get, you you can't get the vaccine. After you get the virus, you're still going to have the virus. So if you just stayed home instead of waiting in line, you wouldn't end up getting the virus before you got the vaccine, which people will come home and be like, I got the vaccine, I'm great. But what they won't know is they got the virus right before they got the freaking vaccine. So it doesn't matter. Now they're COVID positive, And if they just stayed home, they wouldn't have been. So what percent will be COVID positive after they stand in line with a bunch of other people versus if they didn't stand in line with a bunch of other people, probably far less. And then there's this this anticipatory spike as of March 10th. Well, we have all these other supposed reasons. The reason is because a bunch of people are going to be standing in line with a bunch of other COVID-positive people. That would be the reason why there would be a spike. I mean, the most obvious reason. Hello? Jesus Christ. Sold for 3.4 cents an impression. UEC video to promote. Another ad to you. Algorithms and manipulative politicians are becoming so expert at learning how to trigger us, getting so good at creating fake news that we absorb as if it were reality, that in confusing us into believing those lies, it's as though we have less and less control over who we are and what we really believe. Everyone believes the government's law. 
everything is going to work. Imagine a world where no one believes anything that's true. Everyone believes the government's lying to them. Everything is a conspiracy theory. I shouldn't trust anyone. I hate the other side. That's where all this is headed. The political earthquakes in Europe continue to rumble, this time in Italy and Spain. Europe's traditional centrist coalition lost its majority, while far-right and far-left populist parties made gains.
Julie Asmus again. I, I, I just got to, you know, break uh, protocol here for a second. I, um, I got this note uh, from my next guest, uh, which was so nice. It was uh, like after we did our last show. I mean, she, uh, she blew it uh, out of the park. She did a, a home run and um, she, she wrote me a, a letter and uh, it was just so nice to hear uh, you know what a uh, a compassionate person this uh, julie asmus is uh, she said some really nice things and uh, when she, when i get her up in a second i'm gonna thank her for that but uh for you who didn't hear the the last show uh, julia came on and was just completely honest about some things in, in her life and uh was quite inspiring um she is a healer right and um, she uh, she's a therapist uh, her story is just incredible and rather than me explain it to you I should probably just get her up uh, okay let me do that Mr. Producer let me get her up uh, guys with no further ado it's uh, my pleasure and uh, my privilege to bring back to the show Miss Julie Asmus Julie how are you today? Casey I'm alright thank you and you don't have to thank me because I I wasn't being compassionate at all I was just telling you exactly how I felt well, I mean, it was so sweet to read that. I mean, it was just really nice for you to take the time to, to write that to me. Thank you for that. Well, thank you. It was the truth. It was the truth. Well, I mean, uh, from someone who, uh, who you know, does healing, um, I, I, I guess I should expect that, right? Well, you know, it's so cathartic, you know, just for anyone to, to be able to be heard if they felt like they weren't, you know, heard before. and. And through this forum, you know, it just kind of feels like I'm talking to somebody. I'm talking individually to somebody who's in in and of himself, I feel, is very therapeutic and himself a healer, uh, let alone the aftermath and the realization that that's gotten out to, you know, maybe people that didn't know what the truth has been or was and have made assumptions. And uh, I've got the backlash to that. So it's, it's kind of a relief, you know, and, and it's very healing the mind-body connection is very strong and I've been holding on to a lot of things and uh, this has allowed me to feel safer it really has well I mean it's, it's a great point some people uh, don't uh, feel that uh, their story is being um, uh, is, is, is being heard but and they don't know how interesting it is and how much it's going to help other people to hear someone who's gone through the same stuff in yeah, different ways in different ways <laughs> Well, this is true, you know, whether it be someone, I mean, there's so many people who have stories that they don't want to talk about because they don't think anyone else has gone through them or they don't think they're going to be believed. I mean, there's just so many instances in which that's the truth. And, you know, in my particular one, you know, I, I know that the ones that aren't heard are the ones that were caught, you know, and, uh, and, and, and the net and the entrapment net and, uh, you know, kind of, they're not going to be... They're not going to be heard. They're not going to be believed. And I mean, if we look back even in the 60s and the 70s, you know, the prosecution deliberately withholding, you know, evidence they knew would exonerate uh, the African-American. They were sending to death row. You know, in my mind, that's that's premeditated murder. And that was that was what was happening all the time back then. This has been an ongoing thing, you know, if they need to catch someone they need to catch someone for the crime and if they feel they've got someone and they're wrong and they've got a lot of uh, resources invested in that and they have come at that person in a way that's going to be a backlash at them if they're wrong mm. 
Accountability not taken. Oh, that, you know, and that, that's very true. I mean, do you know what that Tuskegee experiment was? Have you ever heard of that? Um, no. Well, no. That, that was, I think, I think we're probably talking about the same thing. It was around the same time where uh, the, the, the government uh, actually infected uh, African-American people with, uh, I believe it was syphilis. Uh, this was maybe in the 50s, 40s, or something like that. I mean, I'm not making this up. This isn't conspiracy. This actually. Oh, happened. I believe you. No, so. no, I believe you. Kind of like, uh, you know, the crack cocaine so-called epidemic, where the, you know, they can't. The the African Americans, what is, you know, they're impoverished. Did they go get a plane and and go over to the places that had the, the, the you know, the cocaine and bring it back? No, the war veterans were instructed to to bring it back, and they drop it over these. African-American neighborhoods having done, you know, experiments on, on rats previous and well knowing what the outcome was going to be. And, and then just at that point, the government cracking down on, you know, crack cocaine and declaring the war on drugs and then going after the exact people they had dumped this, you know, this substance upon, you know, knowing it was good. You know, and again, you know, you say this isn't a conspiracy theory. This is for real. It's so hard to, to prove that in hindsight, you know. And Yeah, you know, I, I know. And I think, Julie, I think what we're, we're talking about to, to the audience here is, you know, there are there are things uh, that we we just don't know. And uh, all we can talk about is from our, our, our personal experience. So what I'd like to do before we take uh, our first break is I would like, uh, if you don't mind, for people who didn't hear our last show, maybe you can refresh people on what we uh, what we, we talked about last time about your story and a little bit about you. Because uh, coming from you, uh, it's different than uh, from an outsider like myself. So uh, if you don't mind, refresh people if you can. Well, uh, in synopsis of what you know, we went over last time, basically, I uh, was come at, uh, you know, uh, by the uh, feds and the state and the reason that the the federal government was involved was because they had suspected me of a form of domestic terrorism, which, you know, the government was really amping down on or cracking down on after, uh, the, you know, uh, 2001, 9-11, 2001. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can understand why they suspected I was doing what they suspected I was doing, but I had nothing to do with their suspicion. Or, you know, I wasn't doing that. So nonetheless, I was taken into custody uh, you know, they did their whole spiel. I was held uh, for um, a, a, a long time, right? With just by yourself. Oh, I'm sorry. What? Just, I'm just sorry, by yourself. What? You you were you were held just uh, just uh, you were alone, right? I mean, they put you in a room for like. Well, no. Well, that that was the false incarceration. That okay. was the false incarceration in 2014. Oh. Okay. This they yeah they actually they didn't have a warrant, so they had to get. Uh, I'll just say other people's involved to thank you uh, thank you for it. saying that yeah because you know we have to be yeah. careful thank you yes uh, to, 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 uh, to get a uh, uh, I can't remember a peace request in order for, for me to be committed because they couldn't arrest me because uh, they didn't have anything to arrest me with or by so that is how they got me um, committed um, and my then fiance at the time came to Concord State Hospital every single day. And he also had Rite Aid facts, the fact that I had been on a certain medication that the federal government told uh, New Hampshire state government I wasn't on, so I would go further and further into a withdrawal that is labeled inhumane in the UK and the US, and they don't even allow in prison. 
and they were going to allow me to go into this withdrawal that I've been on this medication about six years. Um, yeah, people don't know what, that, what that's like. I mean, that, that's that's something real serious. I mean, that, that can, uh, I mean, there's some things that uh, will, will kill you if, if uh, you know, you're, you're, it's in your body and you just all of a sudden they, they take you off it. That's correct. That's correct. You can really do a number on your on your system. Yes. And this is just at the, at the very beginning. And like, let's say that happened now. I don't I don't know if my body would have withstood it. But what happened in this instance is my fiance had right age facts, uh, you know, over and over the fact that I had been on this medication. And even then, the nurses were kind of right down the line because they they knew they'd been lied to by the feds. But they started distributing my medication. They gave me one fourth of the dose, and they saw that I, I in fact, you know, felt better. And then they gave me the full dose, and they recognized that's exactly why I felt and was as sick as I was. Um, and I was just going to get sicker. I mean, they really weren't. I mean, it was it was going to be. Oh my God! So they really they ended up releasing me. And the nurse that sent the best advice I got was in the very beginning of this whole 11 years and it was don't look back do not ask questions and just move forward and you know i i wish i would have or could have but when you have something like that happen and you don't know why you're taken like that and you don't know and it's so traumatic the the natural tendency is to ask questions you want to know why and so anyway, subsequent to that, I was in a um, accident three weeks thereafter, and uh, I was disabled by that because I didn't get the treatment. The uh, report was falsified. And okay, and Julie, on, on that, I want you to stay right there. I want the audience to, to hang on your last word right there because we got to take a short break. We'll come back, and then we'll find out um, uh, what happened. Uh, my, my guest is Julie Asmus, uh, an incredible story here. Just uh, hang on one sec. Julie, can you hang with me for a second? Yes, absolutely. Okay, guys, we're going to take a short break. Be right back. The next step to following your dreams is closer than you think. KDMA and the Actors Studio is an established, reputable talent management and services agency based on the East Coast. Actors, models, singers, voiceover artists, and live entertainers trust their careers with KDMA. Not only does KDMA advise and market talent, they provide talent with the necessary tools to be successful in today's demanding entertainment industry, offering in-house classes, coaching, photo and video services, real and audio production, showcases, seminars, and more. KDMA makes talent development and advancement simple and affordable. For more information about talent representation and services at KDMA and the Actor Studio, visit KDMA and theactorstudio.com. That's KDMA and theactorstudio.com. Let KDMA take your career to the next level. Aloha to all you lovebirds out there. Are you thinking about a destination wedding? Let I Do Hawaiian Weddings help you realize that dream. We specialize in Hawaiian destination weddings. Our unique knowledge of the islands and vast experience with amazing locations will help us create the destination wedding of your dreams. We can help you celebrate your love for each other with a sandy beach wedding, flower lay and bouquet, photography and videography, limousine transportation, hula dancing, ukulele music, and a beautiful dove release. We can even assist you with marriage license and online paperwork. I Do Hawaiian Weddings is all about love. So visit us on the web at IDoHawaiianWeddings.com 
or call us at 808-330-5555 to realize your dream destination wedding in Hawaii now. Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network. All right. Thank you, Mr. Producer. I appreciate that. Uh, bring me back in. Guys, uh, I'm speaking with Julie Asmus. Uh, she has uh, an amazing story. And from what I can ascertain is um, uh, this healer and this therapist is getting people to think about what isn't said and uh, what is said uh, by her story. Uh, let me welcome her back to the, to the program. Julie, welcome back. Thank you, Casey. It's good to be back. So, uh, when we left off, uh, you were you were you were uh, talking uh, about uh, what was about to happen because they give you a fourth of the medication or something like that. Uh, can you take us back? Yeah. Uh, well, they ended up giving me the full dose, and I ended up being released because they realized that was the issue that they had been lied to, and that I shouldn't be in there. Um, I, they gave me, they subsequently sent me a bill for $32,000 or something like that. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I called them and I said, I am not paying this. I I shouldn't have even been in there. And they just let it go. They just (laughs) didn't even try to get them. Hey, hey, uh, Julie, was that an issue of betrayal, you think? In some senses, yes. By the person that said, uh, that, you know, they talked to the pharmacy or whatever. Um... Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, the, the federal authorities who, who said that I hadn't been on any medication when they, yes, uh, you know, brought me there. Yeah, they knew that it would, it would, they knew I was sane and they didn't want me to look sane and they knew that it would make me, you know, physically ill and, and you know, eventually psychologically not acting very sane. <laughs> when, yeah. Why did they pick but, you, you so, think? Why did, why did they single you out? What did you do? You know, what, what well, did they think? They thought you did something, I guess. Yeah, well, it was because the feds were involved, I realized, after the fact, uh, because they had uh, suspected me of a form of domestic terror. Yeah, yeah, then, yeah, 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 I remember that. Okay. It sounds, and it sounds more serious. But, but it turns out it wasn't. Hey, let me, I don't mean to cut you up, but I got a phone call that somebody wants to talk to you. So uh, let me oh, let me go to the phones. Uh, hey, you're on the air with Julie Asmus. What's your name? Hi, my name is Tina. Hey, Tina. Uh, you got Julie. You got a question for her? Oh, uh, well, yes, Julie. Hi, how you doing? Um, hey, I've Tina. <laughs> I've been listening, and you are so strong with everything you've been through, and I want to be just like you. How did you get through it? Uh, that's a good question. I kind of feel the same way. Well, I don't know if you want to be just like me, but, yeah, I think, you know, when people ask how I got through it, I think when, when, as as long as people are alive, they pick themselves up and they keep going. I mean, you, I got through it because you just, you get through it. If you can, if you can do it, you do it. You know what I mean? And, and it it just was a matter of just, yeah, I had to kind of keep looking into what was going on, how it was going on. I kept getting the original reports after every single incident. So anything that was redacted or falsified, you know, after the fact, you know, I'd have the original uh, to come back at them with or to say I had. Um, I I uh, made things public on social media. So in cases of 
full arrest, uh, let alone the 11-day one. I uh, could tell them, you know, look, uh, two days ago I just posted on social media, that's two weeks ago, blah, blah, blah. So if something does happen tonight, bringing me in the back door, and it's not, you know, it, you know, and I so-called disappear or whatnot, it will be brought back upon you, and then that would change their mind. So it was just like little um, things that here and there that uh, I thought of, or God's grace, or or whatnot, that, that got me through, or is, is helping me get through. It's very nice of you to say what you said. Thank you. Yeah, yeah you call her. I, I think um, I think what we, we agree on is like when someone is faced with so much, it looks like it's too much on someone's plate. How do you? How do you get through that? You know, I, I uh, uh, that's that's uh, what I, I guess I wanted to know too. I mean, it's a story about ins- this is an inspirational story. It's just, she's still talking to us. So thank you for your call, caller. Uh, thank you, uh, Julie. So, um, uh, what can you tell? What can you tell people about? Uh, they may feel like you did, like they have uh, too much coming down on them, and. You know, like the caller just said, that you got through it. What do you say to people that may be feeling the same way you did? That we all are 99.9% molecularly the same. We all have the same deep wants and feelings. And I mean, with the exception of the so-called psychopaths. Mm-hmm. They don't feel anything, right? Well, I, you know, they don't have the same level of empathy or ability for compassion. Yeah, they do feel em- empty, I guess, is what what is so-called said. Uh, I'm sorry, what was the original The other question, question was like, people right now who are listening in their car or, you know, at the office, whatever, you know, and they, they feel their life uh, is, is too much coming down on them. There's too much on their plate. Yeah. What do you say to them to, to, to give them uh, the... Uh, encouragement to fight through it like you did everything does pass everything does pass and you know happiness is not a permanent state sadness is not a permanent state great there's no permanent state of feeling and when we're happy you know that's that's going to change and when we're feeling completely overwhelmed and shattered and broken that's going to change and that might actually be a really good opportunity to to just know things can only get better and also maybe see what it is about the situation that you could do that could help the situation or you did that incorporated into making it the situation that it is uh, or if you feel like a, a victim to it irregardless uh it it could be an opportunity you know um and also know that a lot of people are feeling the way that you are that in america you know outsides do not match the insides you know the way that we put ourselves out in the world i just real quick i encountered someone who was uh from from greece and uh she she said to me she said you know i just don't understand in this country she goes is everybody really this happy i mean she really was confused. She goes, you know, I go to a store and she goes, are they really this happy? She goes, it makes me feel even worse. I go, no. I said, you know, people in this country are conditioned to put on the happy face. And if they're in a business, that's, that's how they're trained to be. But no, they're not that happy. Good point. You know? Good point. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, uh, yeah. Wow, 
Julie, I, I, I don't mean to cut you, but what, um, I mean, what, uh, again, uh, another honest, um, you know, if you could say it black and white, uh, I think you've done that. <laughs> uh, oh, it, it, it's pretty cool. Uh, Julie, uh, we're, we're out of time here, but uh, let's continue this uh, uh, next time. Uh, I appreciate it. A lot of, obviously, you know, you're, you're moving people. It was a caller that was inspired by you. So uh, anything you want to say before we go? No, I'm just really honored to be on the show, and it's just incredibly cathartic and helpful for me, so thank you. Well, obviously, uh, you're doing it to other people, too, because, uh, uh, you know, people are inspired by your story and your mental toughness. So, hey, guys, Julie Asmus, everybody. We'll be right back. Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network.